old Peanuts cartoon. Maybe you're a Peanuts fan like I am. And in this one such cartoon, Lucy and Linus were sitting in front of the television, and Lucy said to Linus, go get me a glass of water. Linus looked around at Lucy, somewhat surprised, and asked, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. Lucy responded with the promise, okay, on your 75th birthday, I'll bake you a cake. Linus got up and headed to the kitchen and said, you know, life sure is good when you have something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. Listen to the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that never fades away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. Isn't that something for the Christian to look forward to? And did you notice how Peter connects abundant mercy to living hope? And he ties abundant mercy and living hope together by the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and the assurance of our resurrection. He's not just describing for us the inheritance. He's not just telling us something about heaven. He's telling us something about grace. He's telling us something about the confidence that we can have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have, as the redeemed in Christ, we have victory because of Christ. But, where there is no faith in the future, there simply cannot be power in the present. Faith in the future. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or the assurance of things not seen. Your hope is only as strong as your faith. I want to talk to us this morning about grace. The theme, Lord willing, for this meeting is building better lives in a broken world. I'll say more about that theme as the week progresses. I wanted to start out this morning about grace. I know something about this church because I've known Brother Ricky for a long, long time. And I'll just tell you, this is what we do as preachers. What we do is we stalk other preachers, and so we listen to other preachers, and we go listen to Jordan, and we go listen to Ricky. And we find out that these guys preach a lot about grace, had preached a lot about grace in the last couple of years. I've preached a lot about grace at home. And there's reasons for that. I want to start this morning by us thinking about, thinking about what the Apostle Paul says to us about the amazing grace of God. Good morning. If you brought your Bible, some way to power that up, find the book of Ephesians and make your way to chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, please, is where we want to go this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. God's amazing grace. Ephesians chapter 2. 
I want us to begin the text in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm delighted to be with you. I'll say more about that and my appreciation for the opportunity to be here. But I want to move into the text in Ephesians chapter 2, reading from the New King James Version. Ephesians 2, let's begin in verse 1. And you he made alive, Ephesians 2 and verse 1, who were dead who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom, verse 3, also you were all once conducting yourselves in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of your flesh and of your mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God... But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now this is a text that you've heard before, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them there are two words here in Ephesians chapter 2 that for me change everything and those two words are found in verse 4 but God he said you were dead you were dead but God God who is rich in mercy. God who is great in love. But God, because of His mercy, because of His love, you have been saved by His grace. He says later in the chapter, in chapter 2, He reminds them that they were without God. You start in verse 11 and continue through the the next few verses. And he says, now remember when you were without God. Remember when you were without hope. And go back and see what gave you hope. Go back and see who gave you hope. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I'm fully confident that if today were my day to depart from this life or if the Lord Jesus were to come today, I am fully confident that I'm headed for heaven. And you say, wow, that's a bold statement you just made. I mean, right now, this early in the meeting and the first 15 minutes and you make something so bold? Yes! How can I make such a bold claim? In a person, it's Jesus Christ. And in a word, it's grace. And that's what Paul is doing in a marvelous way in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Sometimes 
we miss something that God wants us to see. Sometimes I miss some things that God wants me to see because of chapter divisions. They are at times unfortunate. If you go back to chapter 1 of Ephesians, what Paul had been saying is that, look, God had an eternal purpose. And God accomplished that eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. And he did that because it was, listen to what Paul says, according to the pleasure of his goodwill. He did it because he wanted to. He wanted to redeem you. He wanted to save you. He wanted to have fellowship with you. And how can I read about the love of God, consider the love of God, think about the love of God, and truly see the love of God through Jesus Christ on the cross and doubt that God will care for me? That, and doubt that God loves me? Sometimes because we're not gripped by grace, we think in ways that get us in trouble. Sometimes because we're not gripped by grace, because we think in ways that we ought not to think, we live in ways that we ought not to live. And I want to talk to us this morning about thinking in terms of grace and being gripped by grace. We sing a song. We sing a song, Love Lifted Me. Now remember, Paul said, but God who is rich in mercy, great in love. I want you to think about that love. And when we sing that song, we, we, we say things like, I, I was sinking deep in sin. I, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Sinking deep, far from peace. And when nothing else could help, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me me the same apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 says it this way in Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6 for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely Romans 5 now verse 7 for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but listen to him God commends his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us his great love for us, God demonstrated it for me. When I was still in my sins, Christ died for me. I was powerless to save myself. You were powerless to save yourself. There was nothing that we could do about our sin. And Paul says, see what God did because he loves you? See the depth of his love? Behold. The apostle John says in 1 John 3, what he means by behold is truly contemplate, really consider. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That's one translation. I like this one. Has lavished on us. See that love that he has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And such we are. If that doesn't make Sunday come alive for you, nothing will. Nothing. He's lavished this love on us. When nothing else could help, he reached down because he loved us. And he gave heaven's best in the person of Jesus Christ through the shedding of his blood to redeem us. I've been in Cedar Park for... 18 years 
when I first moved there, I was able to hold a meeting in Burnett, Texas. Ricky's been there several times. And Brother Robert Turner was still alive. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. And I remember listening to Robert Turner one time preach many, many years ago. And as a teenager, these are things that stick with you. And the aged Brother Turner started talking about the scheme of redemption and dealing with the love of God. And he asked this question. Why would we ever expect anyone to reach up to God in faith until as preachers we first show the world the God who reaches down in grace? And that has never left my mind. God who reaches down in grace because he loves us. Not just his love lifted me. Go back to the text. He says in Ephesians 2, but God made us alive together with Christ, verses 5 through 6. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. His grace, he talks about, by grace you have been saved. Love lifted me, but grace reaches me. And this takes us where we go most often in chapter 2 of Ephesians in its verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice what Paul says. Not of yourselves, not of works. It is the gift of God. It, it, your salvation. That's the context. Your salvation is the gift of God, not of works, not of yourselves. I'm a song guy. Now, the Lord didn't give me the gift to lead singing, but I'm a song guy. And we sing the song, His Grace Reaches Me All the Time Back Home. Words like, offered at Calvary for everyone. For everyone. Because that's what the Scripture teaches. He tasted death for every man. But not just offered at Calvary for everyone, but when you get to the, to the chorus of that song and toward the end of that song, we, we sing things now, I'm happy in my soul just to know that His grace reaches me. I'm happy in my soul just to know that His grace reaches me. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned, some of you are already finishing it right now. Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, this may be a little bit unfair, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to you right now. We know Romans 3.23, but do we know Romans 3.24? I asked a lot of folks back home. I started it out, and they're finishing it. I said, now give me the next verse. Mm, mm, mm. Man, we've, we've, we've memorized Romans 3.23. For by grace, you've been saved. And we get to that passage and all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. And then we missed us being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Don't separate verse 24 from verse 23. Justified freely by His grace. Justified by faith. Absolutely. That's in Ephesians 2. Grace through faith. 
but it's justified by faith. It's justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's justified by grace. And that's what Paul is weaving together in a beautiful way in the book of Romans. And we get Romans 3.23 and we, we hit ourselves over the head. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when you sin, you fail to bring glory of God. And you need to take your sin seriously. Absolutely. Otherwise, you cheapen grace. But if all we get is Romans 3.23 and we don't get the rest of Romans 3 and we especially miss verse 24, we're not seeing what the Apostle Paul, what the Holy Spirit would want us to see. His grace reaches me. The contrast is not between one who works and one who does not work at all. But between one who trusts and works and one who trusts in God. It is God who justifies by grace through faith. Marvelous grace. Infinite grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Marvelous grace. Infinite grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Do we believe that? No matter how far, no matter how fast you have tried to run from God. Do you think your sin is such that it, it cannot be forgiven? Do you think what you've done is so horrific in the eyes of God that the blood of Jesus Christ can't cleanse you, that God can't forgive you, that His grace can't cover that? And I know we generally pause right there as preachers, and we, sometimes we need to. Listen, if people misunderstood the Apostle Paul when he preached on grace, they're going to misunderstand this Paul. And so when the Apostle Paul would have to say things like in Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, may it never be so. So some people are going to hear, hey, I've got this big blanket, this big umbrella. Grace is just going to cover my sin. And so like the more I sin, the more glory I give to God. And the more, so listen, I just sin all the more. That's foolishness. It's not understanding the text number one, but it's cheapening grace. But the only way, and if I've lost you, I need to pull you back in here. The only way for me to be justified by keeping law is for me to keep law perfectly. How's that working for you? Not working so well for me. His grace reaches me. Under his control, yes. Happy in my soul. Why? Because his grace reaches me. His love lifted me, Ephesians chapter 2. His grace reaches me, Ephesians chapter 2. But don't stop there. Paul speaks in verse 7 and talks about the surpassing riches of his grace in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about kindness. Kindness. And we, we love to think about love lifting us and grace reaching us. But when you connect kindness to grace, kindness to mercy, does that change us? Does that motivate us? Does that compel us in any way it should? God has shown us and continues to show us His grace and it's expressed to us in His kindness in Christ Jesus. Go to Titus 3. I want you to see this in Titus 3. In Titus chapter 3, 
beginning in verse 3. Listen to the writer. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish. We ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and in envy, hateful and hating one another. But, Titus 3 verse 4, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us through the washing of regeneration, yes, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, absolutely, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that having been, Titus 3 verse 7, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And you notice the context here. Again, there's a reason. Contextually, there's a reason why Paul is emphasizing kindness and emphasizing love and connecting that to grace. Because true love and grace will always find a way to express itself before God and before others. Has the kindness of God changed me? Am I really gripped by grace? Look at my relationship with God vertically, but also now consider your relationship with others in the kingdom of God horizontally. Yes, start with your fellowship with God. Absolutely. But don't end there. It's not just the vertical. It's the horizontal. And the horizontal is me having fellowship with you. And the horizontal is you having fellowship one with another. And if I'm gripped or because I'm gripped by grace, it influences and shapes the way not only I see God, but how I relate to others in the family of God. How do I know that? Look at the context in Titus chapter 3. Now look at verse 8. Titus 3 verse 8. For this is a trustworthy, faithful saying. Titus 3 and verse 8. And I want you to stress these things. Pause. Preacher alert time. Whenever you have the Holy Spirit through the pen of some writer saying, I want you to stress these things. Us as preachers, as elders, okay, this is a pretty big deal. And what he's saying is, I want you to stress these things. Well, what are the, these things? Well, justified by grace, the kindness of God. Remember when you were this way. Remember when you were living this way. Remember when you were thinking this way. Remember when you were without hope, but God, the God who is rich in mercy, the God because he's great in his love, the God who has poured out his kindness as an expression of his undeserved favor. And Paul says, Stress these things. Why? Titus 3 verse 8. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful, may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. We 
we, we might only focus on may, may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. That's important. That's important. To, to be careful, that, that's be intentional. And to be devoted, that means, well, I don't even have to explain devoted, right? I don't have to explain that. Everybody gets devoted, right? I've been married to my wife for 30, nearly 32 years. And if I were to tell you, I'm hopelessly devoted to Amy, 32 years. She's the love of my life. And we get to talking this week, and you discover, I hadn't talked to her in three days. You're going to be thinking, something's wrong with this guy. And we had him for a meeting, devoted to his wife, and he hadn't talked to her for three days, and he's been in the same house with her. Something's wrong in the relationship. See, when we're devoted to something, we're loyal. When we're devoted to something, we're intentional. We're intentional, we're active, we're involved, we have a partnership. Be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. But that's not where I want you to focus. He says, I want you to stress these things to those who have trusted in God. So that those who have truly trusted in God will, will do this. Am I trusting in God or am I trusting in myself? Am I trusting in God or am I trusting in my own righteousness? See, when I'm not gripped by grace, a lot of bad things can happen to me internally. I can become very arrogant and egotistical. I can become very self-centered and self-focused. I can think about me and everything revolves around me. And that's somebody who's not gripped by grace. That's someone who's taken their eyes off the cross. That's someone who doesn't have the relationship with God that they need to have with God. That's someone who's not trusting in God. Some of the reasons, perhaps, that we're not devoting ourselves to good works is because we're not truly trusting in God. And some of you are hearing that and think, okay, that's, that's kind of like another mini-sermon. You just kind of went off on a trail. Well, well, not really. Let's go back to Ephesians 2. Remember your favorite verses, 8 and 9? For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should what? Boast. Now here's verse 10. Don't just get verse 8 and 9 and leave out verse 10. For we are his, Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship, Created or recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are the handiwork of God. We are His workmanship. He has recreated us spiritually in Christ Jesus. His love has lifted us. His grace reaches us. And His kindness has to be changing us. And because we are the workmanship of God, and because of the relationship that we have with God, and because of the way that by faith we're trusting in God, we are His people now who are devoted to good works because it's not about me. It's all about Him. There is a story that I read years ago, 
supposedly a real occasion, there was a principal that retired from a very prestigious university. And so to honor this principal, uh, uh, they had a portrait that was painted. And as the principal was expressing his thanks for this great portrait that was painted of him, he paid a well-deserved, the principal did, he paid a well-deserved compliment to the artist. But the principal said this, he said, you know, I, I wish that in the future those admiring the portrait, portrait would not ask who is this man, but rather who painted this. Who painted this? When people look at me and see something good in me, I don't want them to express something about me. I want them to see God. Because if they had known this guy some 35 years ago, the only explanation for this guy 35 years ago till today is present, the only explanation for that is grace. And if grace doesn't grip us, then grace will never change us. And if grace is not motivation enough for us to bow before God and fully surrender ourselves to Him, then nothing else will. His grace has to be what changes us. Paul had talked about in Ephesians chapter 1 the amazing power of God in resurrecting Christ from the dead and that amazing power that raised Christ from the dead will one day raise us from the dead and that same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that transforms us from the inside out that raises us spiritually. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old man is dead. It's the new man. And we preach a lot of sermons about the amazing power of God and for good reason, but can we also preach a lot of sermons about the amazing grace of God? Grace is not cheap. Grace is not cheap. So we looked at Titus chapter 2, let's end, or Titus chapter 3, let's end. I want you to see Titus chapter 2. You've seen this before, but I want you to look at it with fresh eyes in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, For the grace of God, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's you. That's you. That, that's you, and that's you. It's the grace that has appeared to all men, teaching us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. Grace teaches. Grace trains. That grace that has appeared is a grace that Paul says to Titus is a grace that has to train us. It has to teach us. It has to teach us to deny certain things and then live in certain ways. It has to teach us to, to put off and to put on. 
It has to teach us to crucify and then become alive too. And that's a change that happens inwardly. That's a heart change. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for, verse 13, Titus 2, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He gave himself for us. Couldn't be saved without him. Couldn't be redeemed without his blood. Couldn't be set free from the sin that I chose the sin that I chose without the blood. But he hasn't just redeemed us. He hasn't just saved us. He has purified us unto himself. We have been saved to serve. People who are zealous of good works are people who see the amazing grace of God. I told you how long I've been married to my wife. I hadn't been preaching very long, Ricky. And I had preached one of those sermons that I got in the car and we were headed home. And it's, honey, how did I do? Don't ask a question of your wife unless you really want the answer. And she was quiet for a while. Long enough that I knew the answer before she said anything. And then she said this. She said, what you said today... I don't disagree with any of it. But there wasn't a whole lot of love in it. She said, I know you better than anybody else. And you had a job to do. And you got up and you did your job. I just didn't hear a whole lot of love in it. He was right. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If the only thing we get out of John 3.16 is, it, well, it doesn't say belief only. If that's the only thing we get out of it, and if that's the only thing we say about John 3.16, we haven't said enough. The love of God is the powerful message of the gospel of grace that convicts someone to reach up in faith a faith that truly trusts, a faith that truly believes, a faith that is truly willing to surrender all to Jesus. 
And when we see the love of Jesus Christ on the cross, the love of God that lifts us when nothing else could help, and we appreciate the grace that reaches us when we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, that has made us alive together because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we see the kindness of God and the love, we will be the kind of people that God said he chose before the foundation of the world to save through his son Jesus Christ. If you serve him, he'll save you. But we have to be a people who see God's amazing grace and are willing to be gripped by that grace. Building better lives in a broken world starts, I believe, with an understanding and an appreciation of the amazing grace of God. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.